mm-hmm. like stuff that you would have never waited in line for. Mm-hmm. Why are we waiting in line for a chicken sandwich? Yeah, yeah. Because there's a culture built around it. So like the same way people would wait outside and get made fun of for waiting for like three, four hours for a sneaker drop, mm-hmm. we're waiting three, four hours for a spicy chicken sandwich at Howlin' Ray's. What's yeah. up? Or a milky bun, you know? Or a milky bun. Welcome to the catch-up. Introducing your hosts. Eli Aruth. Editor. And Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright, and welcome to the catch-up. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the catch up. Yo, shout out to everyone who's been leaving reviews on the iTunes store. Thank you. Mad thank you. Appreciate it. Even the, the one person who thought the intro was too loud, uh, turn your turn your headset down. Um, <laughs> but really appreciate you leaving reviews, good or bad. We love it. And for everyone uh, who hit me up for that discount on the shop.foodbe or foodbeast.com backslash shop, also shop.foodbeast.com works. Keep gobbling up that merch. Go ahead and use code catchupgang. And you will get the nicest discount of your life on that store <laughs> until Rudy turns it off. So um, keep gobbling it up. Uh, appreciate you guys. This week, we're talking the wild connectivity between the streetwear world and the food world. And uh, we got two special guests this week. We got Tito Reach, who is the Food Beast managing editor. He's had a long history in streetwear before joining Food Beast a couple years ago. And our special, special guest, Mr. Miles Cañeres. Yeah, so Miles founded his own streetwear trade show venue many moons ago. He also went on to found Eat Show, which is a really dope food trade show that kind of flipped things on its head. And most recently, he's responsible for curating, coordinating restaurants at ComplexCon alongside the likes of Pharrell Williams. Welcome to the podcast, Miles. Thank you for having me, guys. Yo. Welcome. <laughs> that was a good intro. Welcome, Miles. Was that, was that accurate? <laughs> that was accurate. Did I mess up anything? Many moons ago. Many moons. Yeah, many yeah. moons. I didn't know exactly how many yeah. years, so many moons <laughs> is a good, all-encompassing thing. Um, but before anyone tunes out because you're expecting food porn right out the jump, I just want you to get a street where uh, we're going to talk about food also. Mm-hmm. Right, Joe? That's the plan, yeah. That's the plan. That's the hope. Yeah, That's you said hope. connectivity There's between connectivity. food and streetwear. Okay, I yeah. just didn't want people to be like, what yeah. is streetwear? So I think it's important. <laughs> Reach, we were talking about trying to define streetwear earlier. What is streetwear for someone who has no idea? So streetwear is like a cult counterculture in fashion where punk is a counterculture in music. Streetwear is like the counterculture in fashion. And the main hubs of LA and New York respectively had their own counterculture that shaped streetwear fashion. Um, California was um, surf and skate. You had the brand Stussy, Jimmy Z, that were the early um, streetwear um, onsets. And then in the East Coast, heavily influenced by hip hop, graffiti, and that was Triple uh, Five Soul and other brands like that, Supreme even, with the skate um, influence. So those are, that's what streetwear is. It's a counterculture that is not supported by corporate backing. It's all independent. And it's just an expression of the art of their respective cultures. Damn, Reach, that was a really <laughs> nice definition. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting 
I mean, you come from the culture, so I was expecting it, but that's the best way anyone has ever surmised streetwear. That was incredible. In I, the history of time. I mean, yeah. the man asked me to break it down. So I'm glad I, I asked you yeah, and didn't try to do it myself. I don't know. Streetwear is t-shirts that are silk screened in your garage. I mean, technically, yes, they all started as t-shirt brands, whether mm. it be through Fresh Giant, Extra Large, or Fucked. Mm. Um, they all started as streetwear that had tongue-in-cheek graphics that kind of mar- mocked the system. So that's where, you know, a lot of it started from, too. And a lot of people don't know, Fubies actually started from streetwear. Like, that was the birth of it. Like, before before Fubies came about, I had a clothing line called Fly Robot. Plug, Fly plug. Robot. Fly Robot was hot in the streets, bro. <laughs> I sold hundreds huh. of t-shirts <laughs> to my friends and family. You still got that 2007 merch, bro? Bro, it was wild. <laughs> this was around, yeah, it's like 2006. I was just getting out of high school. College was starting up. And I was just, I was, I saw brands like the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start like these guys that were creating expression through t-shirts, whatever they were feeling, whatever angst they had, they'd put it on a t-shirt and they'd sell it. And then what they were doing was they were talking about the process of creating a company process of printing and designing a t-shirt and i was like man these guys are really accessible they're showing mm-hmm. and i never understood fashion before i was never fashion i was never a fashion guy i didn't know what to wear what to dress and i thought like the only way i could find out about fashion was through stuff like vogue and mm-hmm. stuff like gq like that wasn't me and so that was like my first semblance and my first foray into like entrepreneurship was i was starting to sell these t-shirts whoever would buy it i mm-hmm. just wanted i just wanted to make tees sold them to my friends at first Jeff, what's funny is how our roles played out of Foobies. Jeff like saw my tees and I'd go over to his house and he'd be like, yo man, how about um, how about you give me a couple of these tees and I'm going to go sell these for you. I slang them. He oh. slang them. So Jeff, <laughs> Jeff was old school, man. He went and knocked on doors, these, these streetwear boutiques that I didn't know how to reach. I mean, email was around, but like Jeff was old. He would go and he would just, hey man, here's the line. I didn't have a line. I just designed whatever fucking t-shirt I could think of. Mm-hmm. And he would go to these stores and show them the t-shirts. So anyways. Jeff was your first sales rep. My first. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then, I mean, we didn't sell because the shirts suck. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, what then further inspired Food Beast was, again, to learn about fashion at the time, I felt you had to go to Vogue and you had to go to these higher end dictators of what was cool and what you could wear and then hypebeast came along and gave a home and a voice to this counterculture this this underculture of cool t-shirts mm-hmm. and sneakers and it validified it and i was like no one's doing that for food mm-hmm. so i ended up stopped selling the t-shirts and i registered the domain foodbeast.com there it is and i was mm-hmm. like you know what I remember how hard it was to get featured on Hypebeast with your clothing line and breaking through that through that noise. And Food Beast was the answer for everyone who had a restaurant or for Carl's Jr.'s new item. How do they break through the noise? Like Food Beast is going to talk about it the way Hypebeast would talk about the new sneaker drop or Reach's clothing line or the Hundreds t-shirt. So that's how it was birthed. And so the way that hype beast was the counterculture to food uh, to to streetwear, uh, we we wanted to be that voice for food. So that's kind of how it started. And that's the early connectivity between streetwear and food, at least for food beast. Well, yeah, and I, and I could I think we can venture to say that without streetwear, foodbeast.com may not exist. It may not and, have inspired. And, and it. why I say that is, 
a lot of our relationships in the beginning really formed how content was created mm. as well as when you look at reach on the pod where do we know reach streetwear that's how i meant <laughs> when, reach when you look at base god wally vu vegan correspondent for food beast where did we know him streetwear right and so there's all these connect connections even with our our video shoot in Vegas with Shaq, who's filming Shaq and Izzy in Vegas, connections through streetwear with Phil Gorgeous. So to me, there's so much connectivity. And then, uh, I don't know, on top of that, I mean, we've talked multiple episodes on the pod with the relationships we've had with I Am King and Arisu that extended into these other relationships. Mm -hmm. That was a big part of our growth. So we cover food drops in a very similar way and yeah they're not apples to apples but a lot of the content that was happening in that era we we were emulating right you would see what streetwear blogs and what publications like high piece were doing and we were going to emulate it in our own style and our own way for a completely different category and i think what you're going to see here is the entrepreneurship that gets forged out of out of streetwear i think that streetwear entrepreneurs that miles gets classified under Mm -hmm. uh it was like what vcs are doing right now like people that want to start an app they were starting a clothing line back in the day and so they learned so much like miles how did you even get into streetwear yeah like i mean just to touch on what you guys are saying that uh moment where streetwear started very diy and in someone's garage screen printing themselves like yeah that's that's what makes it special and and i think um you know the culinary industry of today it's there's a lot of that happening it's a lot of people getting together uh, you know putting ideas together and 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 you know doing it themselves you know like uh before you would need a big fashion house behind you and you would need a big sales rep and an agency to to get into places but because of how times have progressed and and you know how technology has connected people you could do things yourselves and 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 that's that's what you're seeing in food now and it's really interesting we're we're at a very interesting time and you guys are a big voice to um you know this new class of uh restaurant entrepreneurs you know mm-hmm. and 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 it, it it really mixes in well with the streetwear story and that's kind of how i you know got into the scene that, that, that's where i fit now what in, a in segue yeah <laughs> okay yeah. don't let me stop your flow just keep going <laughs> tito reach um yeah so 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 like uh eli was saying i i started um in fashion, I, I started in fashion kind of unconventionally. I just started my own trade show, you know, like that. That's super unconventional. Can we it, stop for two seconds? Because yeah. I feel like you're going to, because you've had, one, you're only 30 years old. Uh-huh. So you, you've had such an amazing body of work by the time you're 30, uh-huh. but you can vent, you just start a trade show. Like most people who are inspired by streetwear yeah. start printing t-shirts. How, why? Yeah. So, so that was it. Like that, that was the reason because. I I couldn't do that. I wasn't a designer, you know, like straight up. That was the only reason why. But I was also very um, captivated by the blogs. Like, you know, I mean, shout out to Bobby Hundreds, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he uh, his his voice uh, and and the way that he put it out there, the way that he, he blogged about things really, you know, uh, introduced a whole new world that that was out there um you know to to someone like myself and 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 to to millions of other kids too you know but 
Yeah, that, that's kind of where it started. You know, I, I, I was a fan of the culture. I was a fan of what um, uh, streetwear stood for, you know, and it's it's guys that look like me and dress like me and and have similar backgrounds and, and, and they're, you know, making their own waves and, and, and supporting their lives and, and, you know, supporting, you know, themselves and their families through a passion. And that was really how I was introduced to, you know, like, hey, you could do something on your own. And then um, my lack of design skill and, and, you know, also my lack of capital, you know, like I was just like, hey, like, how, how can I how can I jump in this? You know, like, how can I, get, you know, get involved? Um, and, and, and the trade shows were were it's that's such a weird place to start because it's like <laughs> no one just wants to start a trade show. Like, yeah. you know, that's why there there were so few and, and, and they're all ran by large companies but but i kind of just looked at the business model and 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 you know i looked i read the hundreds blog i read all the blogs and every brand like andy's blog on i'm king like you know uh, uh, where they did business was at trade shows and and i kept on reading about the different ones like the magics and the agendas and you know i i, I went to one i i calculated i brought out the calculator on my phone i was like hey if i sell this many right, this i feel like this is a good business like i'm just gonna jump in you know, and, and, and without really having, uh, I, I think being, not being involved, like, I wasn't, you know, it was a... You're coming at it from a different angle, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and so, so I didn't have the, I didn't know so much, so I wasn't as scared to pursue it, you yeah. know? Oh. Like, like I, you know, that ignorance was kind of like, I could, I could do this, you know? It and was bliss. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For folks who aren't familiar with the trade show scene specifically, like, what, mm. what model are you talking about? Like, people, brands that want to sell their clothes, explain a trade show. So, essentially, so a, a trade show uh, is a place for brands to come to showcase their uh, upcoming seasons to different buyers and press. You know, it's where a brand goes to make their business for the season. Um, so essentially, you, as a trade show organizer, you you get a big haul and then you're renting out small booths to people for a two or three day show. Um, you know, simple enough, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and um, you know, I, I, I kind of found my, my niche in, you know, producing a show for independent brands. Like, like the fly robots of the world, and, you know. <laughs> I wish, I wish I was a venue. In the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it, it, it kind of, and how I started it was 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 pretty nuts too. Again, I was, uh, you know, I didn't have capital, I didn't have funding, I, I didn't really have experience, but but I had I had a good hook, I, I think, and and um, the hook was, you know, I want to provide a platform for independent brands to to um you know gain some business and and, and do do some things so i i priced my booths differently um and i started in la um and how how i launched it was it, it you know i was right where you were too you know i was i was very inundated in hype beast and 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 the different blogs and how i got in was a loophole you know like it, 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 hype beast at the time this was 2013 2012 2013 they had a they were still popular at the point. They still had like millions of viewers a day or a month, mm -hmm. I think. They had this section on the front page where it was a, uh, a job posting section. It was on the front page of yeah, Hypebeast. Yeah. And, and, you know, companies would go on there and, and put like, hey, like we're Stussy, we're looking for a warehouse worker. Or like we're, you know, X brand and we're looking for a sales rep in the West Coast. It was $10 to get on there. 10 bucks. 
So so I bought an ad and so smart. and I said, "Hey, I'm venue trade show and I'm looking for independent streetwear brands." And then, you know, before I bought the $10 ad, I, I set up the website and and I kind of had my spiel written out. Um I didn't officially book the LA Convention Center. I just did a holding date. Uh, you know, like like I, I didn't sign any papers or anything. It, it was it was really it was really risky, but I was just like fuck it. You know, like I'm I'm probably gonna sell, and and so my job listing was a full ad for my new trade show, and surprisingly, like it was the number one red thing on there for a while. Like it stayed like on the top for uh, like maybe two months before the whole program got shut down <laughs> and and then and then I sold out like I I I sold all my booths and and got a lot of media attention like Reach actually um was one of the first people to write about it uh, on Orisu and then after that I was like on apparel news and 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 this and that and 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 then we had the first show and and sold out and and it did well and quit my job and I was like all right this is what I'm doing <laughs> And then, and then, that's so smart. That hype beast front page ad is yeah. worth so much. If you had gone through the know. traditional advertising at hypebeast.com for yeah. a front page where, yes, a million people were hitting yeah. it a day, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, they charge you 10, 20 grand. Easy, like, easy. For a very short flight. You yeah. got it for $10 and it stayed there probably all fucking month. <laughs> yeah, two, two months. Brilliant. It, was, it was there on the top. That, and, that was a prime finesse, my friend. It, 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 was, it was the finesse of, uh, you know, that, that kind of kicked everything off and you know after so so venue was really how i uh you know got my got my feet wet in 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 the industry that's how i met everyone um how i how i really understood running a business and you know paying people and paying things and and you know like having an office and and you know like it it, it kind of uh you know started there and and it, it was a trip yeah like it, it also showed uh, the ingenuity that uh, a lot of our our class had, you know, like mm. a, a lot of people um, that came up in that space are killing it right now. Like yesterday, the Forbes 30 under 30 came out like three old venue trade show guys are on there right now. Oh, like, you know, and 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 you guys are, are, are killing it and doing your thing. And what's wild is. Just speaking of the ingenuity, if you break it down, mm-hmm. like the, the the current generation mm-hmm. of folks, like how would they have approached a, a trade show is let me go out and get funding. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my deck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to yeah. get funded for this. And then it doesn't need to make money right now. It's going to make money three to nine years from now. And as long as I have users. Yeah. Users. As long as I have users. Uh-huh. Valuations are high. <laughs> you know, what does Miles do? Fuck it, bro. I got 10 bucks. <laughs> I got 10 bucks. I can do this shit. Made and he work. does it. And like that's that is almost every streetwear story I've mm-hmm. heard. Mm-hmm. Bobby Hundreds, Ben Hundreds, lawyers, mm-hmm. ex-lawyers. Eh, lawyers not fun. It's not like they use their lawyer money. They're probably in debt from law school. What do they do? I have a couple messages on a t-shirt. Yeah. One of them is really good at selling. One of them is really good at fucking drawing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they've built a multi-million dollar mm-hmm. business that's lasted over, I think, going on 15 years. They're not the only story. And they've all broken their teeth on this idea that they can build something from nothing. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's so cool about streetwear, that a lot of people that are succeeding in food right now are building something from nothing. Exactly. And even if you fail, you've gained this immeasurable skill set mm-hmm. of being able to build from nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so venue, uh, what happened well, next? I got a question for you, Miles. Sure. 
as you're building these trade shows, mm-hmm. when did you start seeing food becoming relevant in any sort of fashion or as either a part of your show mm-hmm. or as a potential pivot point? Cause I, cause I know you did each show. Mm-hmm. When did you start seeing and looking at it a little differently? Sure. Because I think we all have our moments of, of food and fashion, but I'm curious about for someone within the industry when they saw it and said, okay, this isn't just a one-off brand doing a short run of whatever, but mm-hmm. this is, this is selling, this is doing well, this is having a big impact on pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there there was a shift, and, and I've heard you guys talk about it on the podcast too. Like, there was this moment where um, food became, like, really cool. You know, like, like it, 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 it had a... And I think the afters guys had a lot to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the cronut sensation, like, these sensations were sweeping uh the nation and and it was cap it was gaining a lot of momentum and capturing a lot of attention you know that was going on independently i was very focused in fashion i was very focused in that world um but my world of business to business trade shows and you know brands doing wholesale uh as a means of surviving was was also kind of going through a big change you know like it was not good anymore you know like this was around 2014 2015 i i produced already like about five shows of venue and 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 each show was gaining a ton of momentum it was i was getting the right brands i was getting the right buyers involved but then just you know something was stagnant there and and it was the dramatic uh shift in consumer spending habits you know they weren't buying the way that they were before you know online shopping took a big uh you know like hit a ton of the market and and so, so that business model of a B2B trade show was, was shifting and I was in the middle of it as an independent company who had no backing. I didn't have financial backing. So I had to look at those shifts in the market a lot more closely than, you know, one of these other bigger shows would. So I kind of was just like, I was getting fucked, you know, like, cause I was like, damn, like this business is getting hard and, and um, you know, I, I saw that, um, you know, because sh- people weren't shopping at malls anymore, people weren't shopping at retail stores, the, the way that they were shopping was online. Um, the answer was to get to the consumer, was to get to the customer directly instead of having so many channels in between. So, so my whole, uh, like, like I approached it uh, in a way that was okay. Like, how can I take the world that I'm in and and connect it more closely to the consumer? There weren't really events. The ComplexCon hadn't started yet. It it, it was all very new. But I just kind of had this feeling that that's where I should start focusing. And so, because trade shows pander yeah. to the stores, yeah. the retail stores. So like your your big fish mm. at that point was like, I need Macy's. Here. Exactly. Yeah. And so. But so you not that you didn't think about consumers because mm-hmm. you are a consumer and, yeah. and you you obviously respect and understand yeah. the culture. But consumers weren't coming to your shows. No, no, it it wasn't open to the public. You know, we we didn't open the doors to the public. It was all for buyers. Like, like uh, our big gets were like Zoomies and and Tillies and Pat. You know what I mean? Like the, like retailers and and as they and we started flying out buyers and as they came, it just you know their orders were getting lower. Like they weren't even writing orders at the show, and then and then I was like, "What are we doing?" You know, like, how can this work? Um, 
and and yeah, like the consumers weren't a, a focus for event producers in the fashion world at that point in time. Um, and then and then I kind of you know so this was all going on in my world. Meanwhile, at the same time, and and, and afters and Andy, they 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 felt that too. Like that's kind of one of the reasons why Andy wanted to shift into oh, Andy. I'm I'm good buddies with. I knew him back at I'm King. Um, Andy's the co-founder of Afters Andy Ice Nguyen. Cream. Yeah, Andy, Andy Nguyen. Nguyen. Uh-huh. Yeah, and 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 you know, so while that was going on over here, Andy was seeing it too, and then. You know, he found a route in food that was that was exciting. You know, it was very consumer facing and it was, it was very hyped, you know, like people were into it. And, and, and like you said on a previous podcast, like it was around like 2014, 15, like food started getting cool. Like mm-hmm. KTLA and Yahoo, like like publications would pick up food drops. And that was a, a big shift in a lot of things. So. So, so seeing that, uh, and and me trying to transition um, into consumer facing, you know, I made the decision in 2015 that hey, you know, it's not worth it for us to do um, more B two B shows as like an independent company. You know, I, I wanted to pursue direct to consumer, um, and uh, I made a pivot to 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 get there, and that was you know. Uh, Unloading my comp- unloading venue to a company who uh, ha- had a background in producing consumer-facing events. It was a weird move. It was it was it was like a weird time also. And it's it was this Asian company called CCYP who 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 does who owns the Chinese Yellow Pages. Oh wow! But the, the, the this young guy who is running it, like the son, he he his his whole thing was food festivals. You know, so they produce like some of the biggest food festivals in SoCal, and and but very niche though, very niche. Like they they did uh, the Asian American Expo, which is giant. It br- we bring in like a hundred thousand people. Wow. Um, and then Danny Park, who's his partner, he does he's founded K Town Night Market, and mm-hmm. then and then OC Block Party, um, and and we connected from venue. Like they would attend my shows, and we would just talk. And I always just thought what they were doing was great because they, they they captured a lot of people. They brought a lot of people through their doors, and that's what I wanted to do. So so we struck a deal together where where I kind of came on board and and um, you know they wanted me to do some fashion within their space, and I thought yeah that's a cool crossover. So I took my world and I shifted it to for it to be consumer facing without it affecting a wholesale business. So I started a sample sale show. It was called the Silk Show. We had a good run. We, you know, we had like Stussy undefeated and you know Huff and LRG. Like I remember that show. So that was the first yeah. time that I saw a trade show mm-hmm. sell to like everyday people, like you and I, Jeff, could walk in mm-hmm. and buy at what is also a trade show. Yeah, I mean, technically not. Like it was, the, it was just that format. But like I designed it the same way as a trade show. Like mm-hmm. the booths, the ten by ten booths, and the ten. You know what I mean. And but I could finally come in. Exactly. As someone, <laughs> as someone, because what streetwear culture did a great job of is, as much as it was breaking down walls mm-hmm. for people, they were also telling these exclusive stories that you probably yeah. didn't, you weren't able to be a part of. Yeah. Like Bobby Hundreds on his blog would write a lot about this culture that I would never get to be a part of. Yeah. Until I actually went out the door and did something to be about. Well, it. the option was to buy a shirt. Like yeah. that would be a part of the that, culture that, that way. The, that was your way to be a part of the culture. It mm-hmm. wasn't just open invite to everybody necessarily. Mm-hmm. It was exclusive exclusivity still to this day still drives a huge part of the culture. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it does feel it does feel more open now. Yeah. That's why I think it has such a interesting um barrier to entry for streetwear because 
it's very DIY. You could jump in and get in on it yourself, mm -hmm. but there is that exclusivity that you got to break through and just understand the culture to just get it. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting barrier to entry to me. Yeah, so so inserting that into a giant food festival was was really the the first time I got to firsthand see like oh, the brands are down um, and also you know like the consumers were there for for both you know it it went really well like um, people this was at the silk show th this was the silk show who who which was inside K Town Night Market inside mm. the Asian American Expo like that's how the silk show launched was by being inside food festivals mm. and so that immediate crossover was like like hey can we do this and 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 it ended up just working out really great you know like people got a chance to go eat really good night market style food um and then buy some stuff from stussy you know like it, you know it, it was it, it was really cool um and so you know like doing the first silk show which was the first one was at asian american expo and and it's huge it went really well and and that's kind of when the wheel started turning like that's kind of when i started seeing like the crossover is so apparent and then and then on top of that like the la food scene was just just on another level like it was just killing everything like john and vinnie's was you know doing their thing in la and and we had like all these world-renowned chefs you know taking up shop and you know guys coming up like alvin kylan and and, and egg slut and you know like even like johnny and, and howlin rays like everything that they were doing was exciting and it was very very streetwear like it was very the parallels are wild because like L yeah. that's the la new york streetwear scene yeah when stuff started popping up online what happens yeah the hundreds pink dolphin all of them set up shop on this row mm -hmm. uh, this row in la on like rosewood and what's fairfax. the fairfax, fairfax. Yeah. like they just set up shop on this street that doesn't almost didn't uh you would have never expected a booming shopping mm. culture on this street. Yeah. The way that restaurants nowadays set up on the corner, you have to drive to yeah. it. Like so, it was the butt of the 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 food truck scene mm. where you now know how to mobilize people online and mm. build a culture around something. Yeah. So everyone was taking those moments of how they built streetwear culture and they're attributing it mm. and using that to to make a catalyst for getting people to come eat food. Like stuff that you would have never waited in line for. Mm -hmm. Why are we waiting in line for a chicken sandwich? Yeah, yeah. Because there's a culture built around it. So like the same way people would wait outside and get made fun of for waiting for like three, four hours for a sneaker drop, mm -hmm. we're waiting three, four hours for a spicy chicken sandwich at Howlin' Ray's. What's yeah. up? Or a milky bun, you know? Or a milky oh, I mean, bun. And, yeah. and the the start to that to me was when you saw hundreds or thousands of people go across the Southland for a Korean taco. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because that, that wasn't just showing up to a location in chinatown and waiting three hours mm -hmm. that was checking twitter yeah mobilizing your mob mm -hmm. going out to roland heights for that day <laughs> yeah. and then like and then you ate a taco which amazing taco but to think about the way we eat food even now today just a sheer five years mm. later how doordash is going straight to our door how we can eat at a different restaurant every night to think about that culture mm -hmm. When we were checking Twitter and then driving forty miles to go wait in a line, Dude. that's not if that's not streetwear, I don't know what is. I love the yeah. Kogi culture, bro. I remember at yeah. one point I was waiting in the Kogi line, and in the line there's like three streetwear heads. I'm in the, I'm I'm in a Best Buy parking lot, by the way, in uh -huh. Orange, like the most safe, one of the safest cities in the fucking <laughs> Best Buy parking lot. Three streetwear heads, two black guys, an old white granny, mm -hmm. me, 
three Arab people, my parents. Like, look at the look at the yeah. line that this guy has built in a Best Buy parking lot. Yeah. And we're all waiting 30, 40, 50 minutes. So I'm in line now conversing with my parents, explaining mm. to them why we're waiting for fucking tacos. <laughs> they're like, what are we poor now? Like, and then, like, the people, like, it's, it's insane. And you're meeting people in line. I was like, this is the line culture. Yeah. I, I, I didn't subscribe to that portion of streetwear culture. I enjoyed seeing lines, but I was like, I don't know why I would wait in those lines. But now I understand. You mm-hmm. met people in those lines. You're mm-hmm. all gathering around a certain common energy. And you're 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 you guys are looking towards the same thing that you felt the same way. Like, yeah. yo, we both thought the sneaker looked dope. Yeah. We both are gonna be one of one hundred that get this sneaker. Mm-hmm. We are now connected yeah. through a while. So now like I feel bad for myself like fuck the old Eli who <laughs> made fun of people waiting in that line. Like I get it now. Yeah. You could do that around food. You can now have that moment in line, like, yo, remember how good that Kogi taco tasted? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that shit was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know the flavors. You were there. That person at that truck made it for you. You can remember that face. Like, it's so crazy to see how mm-hmm. that streetwear culture, then that second wave was that food culture. Yeah. And now that, that third wave, which Miles, I think you're going to get into soon, is like, yeah. we're just at the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, doing what we did with the Silk Show and, and mixing it with K-Town Night Market and, and seeing it firsthand also at the same time where the LA food scene was changing so drastically and really elevating so well. And and then, and then you know, independent media sites like you guys, you know, like your following is, is insane and, 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 and Vice is munchies and, mm-hmm. and First We Feast, you know, like there's a market there that, um, you know, was marketed just like how a streetwear brand was, you know, like that same hype and that same energy is is brought into, you know, what's going on in food. And and I think it's so interesting. And I think we're, we are kind of like just at the beginning of what this thing could be. And, um, you know, uh, this past Complex Con showed a lot uh, of where it could go. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was cool, you know, like... Um, so so after doing Silk Show at K-Town Night Market and, and then really understanding the the production and, 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 and getting my foot in the door of the food scene also, like the culinary industry is, is, is something that like should and, and, and has to be respected. Like like the process is something that is important to everyone involved, you know, and, and, and I, I, I don't, you know, like people shouldn't think that they can bypass that so i'm very privy to it like i understand that you know there's processes involved and 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 just you know like it's like anything like you got to be a good person and 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 and, you know meet the right people and and knock on the right doors and and expect those right answers but but um you know it it was cool doing the night market scene because it, it was so it wasn't as culinarily scrutinized as uh, like a food and wine festival. Yeah. Like the night market, producing that is so cool because it's just like, there are no big name vendors. It's like straight up street food. And and that draw is insane. You know, like we don't really have a name vendor, you know, but we have name product like the 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 fried squids and and then the the potato swirls and and you know obviously we have kogi and 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 people like that participate but um you know like starting in the festival scene doing a night market style event is great because i understood the production of it like i i that's why i learned um at ccyp is where i really got my uh footing in 
um, producing events and producing large scale festivals and bringing in 20,000, 30,000 people for a weekend. Like I, I, I learned that there. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of implementing a lot of the, the tools and traits that I got, learned from streetwear and, and how to connect with people, like putting that into the food scene, you know, like it evolved. So how did that work? Cause so you're doing these night markets mm -hmm. and you mentioned just now that night markets traditionally like, or they were, there weren't like big name brands at these night markets. Yeah. So they're just good street food yeah. and you recognize the food, the mm -hmm. deep fried squids, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but your next venture mm -hmm. was a eat show. Yes. It's called the eat show. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that was the next level iteration of mm -hmm. doing these unbrandable night markets. Yeah. Like the individual people there weren't like these big brands, but yeah. at each show it yeah. was uh, restaurant brands that you kind of recognize. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that w then it progressed from there. Um, you know, understanding the festival and night market scene was cool. And, and then I wanted to bring it back to, um, to like, so the eat show is a tasting event where, um, you know, people would spend money on, on the ticket. Like it was like a 50 to $60 ticket price, but then the, the restaurants would, uh, offer tastings. And, uh, our goal was to showcase, you know, because LA was so exciting, you know, it was to showcase, um, some of the really top new restaurants in LA. And, and, and I wanted to produce it in a way that was, uh, presented like a trade show. So I, I I got the same venue that I did venue trade show, yeah. which was the Reef in downtown. Shout out to the Reef because they they put up with a lot of my shit. <laughs> um, but you know, like the Reef is beautiful. It was like a gallery, you know, and and um, with white card style gallery walls, and and you know, like I I put uh, the restaurants in that type of setting because um, I felt they deserved to be in there. And, and uh, you know, we designed it really nicely um, and we announced it as that. It's a tasting event. You know, it's a $60 ticket, but you get, you know, Otium, Kato, Hamasaku. We, we had some killer vendors, you know, like we, we had some great, like Little Fatty and uh, Roscoe's and Dino's, you know, like, like it, it was a well-curated mix and that, that we put together. And that was like the introduction of, okay, like now like I see that the world's mixed. I see that the consumer's there, but you know, let's try and produce the event as such. And, and, um, we did, we launched the first eat show. It sold out, you know, like it, it, it was amazing. And, and, and we, we grew it the second year. Um, and that sold out as well. And, and, and it, it really kind of more solidified myself as a producer, um, and, and just got me in the right doors, you know, like I, I, I got, uh, the right relationships and, and, you know, with chefs that I respected, um, because also after meeting these guys, you know, like, like the bad match guys, like Arj shout out to Arjun and, and Nako, like they're just good people. They're just like me, you know, like the reason why I got into streetwear was because it's people like me who sound like me and, and, and who have the same goals, like getting together and, and, and providing you know, like like having a source of uh, of that, and then and then I I discovered the culinary scene, and they, they were just the same. Like guys like Alvin, they're the same dudes, and 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 that was very refreshing to see. And, so the creators and, felt similar. Yeah, like the streetwear scene when you were hosting yeah. your streetwear mm -hmm. trade shows. Yeah, the creators behind these brands, are like oh shit, these people are just like me. Yeah, same thing with the restaurants. Yeah. Okay, so fast forward, 
Each show is a success. Mm-hmm. You go on. You do some great things at Complex Con. Mm-hmm. You curate the first Feast Lagoon. Where I heard great things. I think Jeff, a bunch of people were there. Yo, man, hats off. Yeah, man. Hats off to you because, uh, you know, Food Beast, we, we produce some food festivals. And mm-hmm. we've seen both sides of the coin of going to food festivals across the U.S. for coverage and then producing some in different parts of the country. And mm-hmm. th- the curation of of the First Free Feast Lagoon was top-notch. Thank um, you. Just because you had this amazing mix of uh, high-end, like, quote-unquote, high-end vendors, mm-hmm. like John and Vinny's, right, mm-hmm. that have, have their pizza there, the guys from Animal, the guys doing amazing things really with their group across mm-hmm. la you obviously had the same hour line for howlin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you had boiling crab doing you know an exclusive stuff and everyone had their own apparel collab so the food was legit and yeah i just wanted to say that real quick because oh, thank you we went and because again so much of what Anyone who's gone to a major trade show or a major conference, especially at a convention center, knows that the food is shit. (laughs) Everybody knows. Mm -hmm. If you're getting nachos or a hot dog, it's the same old school concessions that you used to get at the forum or Mm -hmm. that you used to get at the old stadium venue. Like That's what you would get at these trade shows to like walk out of Long Beach Convention Center and be able to... Had the best have, food around. Yeah, it was great. It was yeah. great, and I and I never really seen that before. So I know that that's not easy, especially because of the amount of restaurant curation we have to do for our mm-hmm. festivals. Mm-hmm. Man, getting people to show up and serve food, be sweaty, not know the weather in mm-hmm. an area that they don't know, get them power, get them water, yeah. get all get their ingredients, you know. <laughs> the permits, like all that shit, man. Yeah. I just have anyone who puts on a food festival that is remotely <laughs> successful. I'm just like. Hats off to you. Yeah. Hats off, man, because that <laughs> shit is hard. Yeah, um, thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. That that was a big one. It, you know, um, it it went off really well, and and you know that was so fun to work on too, because uh, you know, I, I, so after the eat show, I, I got brought on to produce Complex Con, um, and uh, you know that show also is a real big teller of the time. Like, you know, uh, that was kind of the first really big one, big transition in the fashion industry from B2B to now it's a direct-to-consumer show. And and it has so much wings to it. Like, like there's so much uh, involved. Like, we got brands to do exclusive drops at the show, and that created, like, a shitstorm. Like, that that was brand new, and, and it was great because not only did it uh, drive the hype, but it, 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 it you know, got you know like the the fomo was built up and and we had we have like people camp out and 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 all that stuff and and that's great you know like so so it you know again complex con is it's very new this was just our third one but um what the first two showed was hey there's a new you know player in the festival world you know like there's a new way to do festivals and and you can in, involve consumers and you can involve shopping and and you can work directly with your curated mix of brands like you can as a facilitator as a producer you can you can you know work with them to to say hey why don't you do this instead of you know letting them produce whatever they, it is that they want to produce like why don't you collab with this brand and do this and then you know because in the end our our goal isn't 
just to get the buyers and and to sell the booths it's it's to provide an experience for the consumers so well, and dozens of experiences right because yeah. you walk through complex con mm-hmm. and i'm not just talking from the food perspective now even though i want to talk about some of the food co- collabs that dropped at complex con sure yeah. but from an art perspective mm-hmm. from a skate perspective from a music perspective there's a dozen different categories of activations that are within your periphery sure. and that's what i think is really crazy to me about the complex show is like i can hear the live music mm-hmm. happening over there while i'm eating at the lagoon while i just left what 150 different booth activations inside the trade show i mean the amount of stimuli in that place it's a sensory like, overload which is built for our culture right yeah. which is built for the constant i need new content on my story snap whatever mm. and here's a thousand places to get my photo op yeah i mean watching the people <laughs> try to take a picture in front of the complex con side oh yeah like i just stood there for 15 minutes <laughs> and i watched people set up their tri- iPods. I watch people try to wait for other groups of people to shuttle them out. I tried this one guy was doing his best to get a solo picture in the middle of Sunday mid-afternoon. Uh, and I'm just like, man, that's a big sign with a lot of people, man. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. But he's probably like, still there. <laughs> fucking weeks later. Yeah. It's like someone's clearing out soon. Yeah, yeah. All right, I got Because we have a job to do right. at the end of this, we want to we wanna put together a list mm-hmm. of kind of like the top 10 streetwear and food moments uh-huh. in the past i don't know 15 20 years because that's how long i feel streetwear has really been on the scene heavy mm-hmm. um now that we've had this really robust history of streetwear we've mm-hmm. seen like the birth of these trade shows the crossover uh miles you've now seen and had your hand in mm-hmm. a lot of the collabs that showed up just this past couple yeah. of weeks ago at complex con and that continue to show up everywhere else mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the best that we've seen because then at the end of this, I want to reorganize them into like a top list. It might not happen on this pod, but it's going to happen on our foodbeast.com editorial for it. But I mean, do you guys have any you want to jump off on? Just like streetwear food moments. You're like, yo, fuck. That's it. Yeah. Well, um, that was exciting to put together. Like, we, you know, because Complex Con was uh, so in that vein of, you know, producing these collaborations. Like I wanted to take the um, the same approach to the food area. So so on top of you know bringing on like really sought after restaurants like like Bad Mash and Howlin' Rays and and you know John and Vinny's like I I kind of was encouraging them to create uh, something specific for the show and and I was just surprised to see how they were how much they were down like to do that you know like they're like yeah you know like it's it's the same consumers so. So some of my favorite that um, we put together at the show was just some, you know what stood out was um, uh, Howlin' Rays. They collabed with Chinatown Market, and that was kind of really buzzy. Like I think I think that was a smart collab because those are yeah. two of the hottest brands in their own ex- uh, respective markets. You yeah. got Chinatown Market, super hyped, very hot brand right now in streetwear. And then you've got Holland Ray's three-hour lines for hot chicken. And so Chinatown know. Market is a streetwear brand? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, fill, fill us in. I, and what is the collab? Because I, okay. I don't even know what that is. 
So, so Chinatown Market was started by this uh, designer by the name of Mike Sherman. He 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 comes from the world. Um, he did a brand ICNY, and and he's just like a all around solid good dude. Um, he started Chinatown Market at ComplexCon, where the 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 theme of it was it's a bootleg brand. You know, uh-huh. like it's inspired by Canal Street. So <laughs> his booth at the first show was was just a bootleg version of all the. Like anti-social social club and oh, off-white. That's tight. So so it started that way, and then like since that, it's like a f- a flourishing business now. Like he's yeah. in Urban Outfitters, and like every like th- his whole thing was a DIY way of doing a brand. Where, so like anything that you want printed on there, he'll print. Like at Agenda Festival, he had a bootleg station where it was it was literally you you go in there and put gucci logos on 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 your stuff like i made a gucci shirt where it's just like you know what i mean like it's just fun and and it captures a lot of attention and and so it's a very popular brand at the moment um and they had like i don't know like they they kind of killed killed it at complex con like they had their own booth that was very busy they were involved in the urban outfitters booth they They had a timex collabo they They had their own watch they had a watch they they did something with Foot Locker outside so like they were kind of, uh, they had the attention of everyone. And in the food area, Howlin' Ray's, same way, you know, like they were introducing their tenders and, and, and just their hype alone, you know, garners, garners three-hour lines every day, even two, hour, two years into the game, you know, yeah. like they still have those lines. So, I, like I felt that was right, you know, like I, I, I luckily Mike Sherman was a fan of, of Howlin' Ray's and um and johnny like they're they're into what they're doing at chinatown so it that was an organic collab that kind of just uh worked its way worked its own self out and and the collab t-shirt was was dope it was like their signature smiley face and then it was chinatown and howlin rays like instantly it was was a hit at the show and i think that that collabo and other collabos in the first we feast lagoon was a small microcosm of mm-hmm. what is happening as a whole in this culture between food and streetwear because mm-hmm. there's smart collabs that are happening mm-hmm. organically um and it's happened through you know some of these collabs that you know i can name off where just this past year alone we saw heineken and bape mm-hmm. do a collection together and we saw mcdonald's and postmates do a limited connection collection i'm wearing their mcdonald's sweats right now um <laughs> and it was exclusive uh, e- this year there's even going to be a kfc collab with nigo mm-hmm. legendary streetwear icon who started a bathing ape so what was going on at the first week feast lagoon with these brands and hot food um, restaurants and all that stuff doing collabs together is just a representation on a big on a smaller scale of what's going on right now we've talked about a lot of the recent stuff especially the stuff that happened at comic con what was the first time though and that gets back to a question miles that i asked you earlier mm-hmm. that i'm still curious mm-hmm. when people saw food and fashion and it wasn't just like oh Food and fashion, that's neat. Like, that's cool. It was like, oh, shit, that's fucking dope, and I will wait in this line for it. Mm-hmm. Whether that was a brand collab, whether that was, you know, a restaurant collab, what was the first time you you guys saw something? I think I could have my take on it. Yeah. Um, Going back to the whole Kogi story and waiting in line and people going to seek and there's having food that's sought, sought after, it became a flex. I'm going to take a picture of this Kogi taco because I got it. 
I'm going to take a picture of my outfit of the day because I'm dripping in this exclusive sneakers and um, clothes. And I guess it became congruent with the whole Instagram movement where I'm going to take a picture of my food. I'm going to take a picture of my, my outfit. And suddenly th- that made sense to Mary, I guess, because the hype surrounding either became, I guess, the same thing. Food yeah. became hyped. Clothes were already hyped. And suddenly there's a there's a... A smart marriage of both those hypes together mm-hmm. to create something to provide for these consumers that are built on that hype that want that hype yeah like i i think to answer your question more directly like i don't think it has happened yet like i think i think that it's it's prevalent on both spectrums like like it's it's there and i think we're just kind of at the beginning of it really truly merging like like reach said like it 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 was hot to take a picture of your outfit and that was great and then same with food you know like it's it's important that you take a picture of your howling rays you know because why why else would you be in that line for because did you really get it <laughs> like like yeah, yeah like, did you really eat it you know like and and i think w- what we did at complex con was was truly really merge uh, uh, you know I know that there's been things that have have happened, like 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 the these McDonald's sweats that are hot, and I'm trying to get a pair too. Yeah, <laughs> but like like I think that on a on a large stage and on a big platform, I think we're 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 now seeing it, and we're now seeing the beginning stages of it. Like it's 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 happened separately, and 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 that that uh, it's merging closer and closer. I think, and and you know, it's going to be interesting to see where it actually goes because also. You know, like the merch game in its own is, has a whole new life now. You know, like artist merch is, is is just so much. It's a brand in its own. You know, that's sought after. Like where before, you you know, these band shirts outside of a concert were kind of just something that maybe you would opt for the bootleg version. You know, down the street from you know, like now it's it's a, a thriving thriving business for companies like bravado and 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 sony has their own like m- wing of merch so like, you're saying it could get bigger the whole movement i i think so like i i think that you know really truly where we are in this point of time where the world is accessible and um people are connected um you know, anything can happen if, if there's enough uh, support behind it. And I think that food and fashion has uh, some of the most supportive fan bases out there. There you go. And yeah. yeah. Well, streetwear has always been about, to me, been about being part of a tribe. Like you wore the brand that you felt connected to. You wanted it to make some sort of statement. You wanted people to come up and ask you about your fit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like that's why you stop at the time you would stop wearing a Hurley because mm. – there's no connectivity to, like outside of now things come full circle like oh you're part of skate culture or you're part of surf culture but wearing a hundreds atom bomb t-shirt would be like yo you read this guy's story online you mm-hmm. read the founder's blog or wearing vans meant something um and i think my earliest memory of it was uh we're good what's up no Nah, but tell tell me about your kids. Yeah, look, so, yeah, so they know. So, who's, so there's, there's a lot of ba- there's a lot of background noise going on. So that's my son Lennon. He's two years old and he's he's just causing all kinds he's of background exploring. noise. He's exploring. He's exploring. Yeah, he's hyped about the streetwear yeah. food talk. And and he pooped. So <laughs> that wasn't a fart. <laughs> so, all right. That's a first. Okay. So so sorry everyone for for all that background noise. Izzy was about to shut this down, but uh, we're good. You it's guys, good. that background noise. This is 
That's him. <laughs> I thought I let one loose earlier. <laughs> That's a straight dump. <laughs> well, I think nice. the moment I saw it was um, one of the only t-shirts that I made that actually sold anything worth a shit was a uh, in and out flip t-shirt, which basically like the whole front of the shirt mm-hmm. looked like an in and out cup. With palm trees that I hand drew because I was like, you can't sue me if I hand draw palm trees and mm-hmm. it just kind of looks like it. I sure flew. I actually like was able to buy my like friends and family presents that Christmas I because see. it sold so many t-shirts on Carmelo. But that moment I was like, why do none of my other t-shirts sell? Mm-hmm. That was the only one that was food related mm-hmm. and it tapped into a tribe of people who understood how good an In-N-Out burger was. Mm-hmm. Something so small. Mm-hmm. But so big because we're just connecting over a tribe, over a brand, over a moment and a feeling and a deliciousness. And I think I was like, oh, shit. At the time, I don't think In-N-Out really was getting into their merch. But now, mm-hmm. now I really want every In-N-Out t-shirt that they put out. Yeah. And they're really owning it. And so, but I have a question though. Like streetwear has always been cool because there's not that many of any one t-shirt, mm-hmm. right? Like LRG went through that. It was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was everywhere. Is it Macy's? Mm-hmm. And it's no longer, is it streetwear at that point? It's like the punk movement. Is it counterculture if it is the culture? And that's the balance. And that's the ev- never ending discussion with streetwear, with punk. Mm-hmm. Is like, well, if everyone has it, is it streetwear? Are yeah. we all part of the same tribe now? Yeah, yeah. You but know, I think, oh, go ahead. Well, I think the instant comparison to that, we've talked about Howland, is the reason why they still have a line for three hours. Is because there's not 12 locations across mm-hmm. LA, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, I don't, I don't know Johnny, but, mm-hmm. and what he's welcome to the podcast anytime. Johnny, come in. <laughs> but I'm sure there's been opportunity and to open way more stores because he has the hype and can, and every retail store in LA would want him there, or sort of retail center would want him there, but. There's a magic to keeping that hype. And by staying in a one, two location type spot, like you can draw on that hype for a long time. As soon as you go, yeah, I'm going to franchise. You lose it. You just, I think you lose a big part of that magic. And that's something that, again, franchising might be best for business. Multiple locations might be best for business. Taking your pump company public might be best from your perspective. Yo, is In N Out the Supreme? But that's what I'm talking about. In N Out went location by location, right? They didn't expand into other states until they were building a facility to control their quality control. They were and to talk about In N Out, they've been doing merch since the sixties or whatever they started. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all grew up. There were t shirts in the display mm-hmm. at In N Out. And they were regionalized based on that location. They've been doing. They've been doing merch. No one was wearing merch. I didn't see shit. I didn't see shit. Whatever. I, I believe you. I'm just saying. Like, it wasn't like that. I think streetwear culture brought out a resurgence of wanting to wear merchandise. Yeah. In a different way than it had been in the past. You would still buy a band shirt when you went to a show that you really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But now people are buying band shirts to bands they've never fucking heard of. Mm-hmm. Or they didn't even go to the concert. Mm-hmm. This one chick, 
Uh, I'm not even going to name her name because it fucking <laughs> pisses me off. But we were out partying, and she's young. She's 21, and she's wearing a Jurassic Park shirt. I was like, fuck yeah, Jurassic Park. She'd never seen Jurassic Park. She probably just got that shit at Urban Outfitters. That's the tribe. That's the tribe. She wanted to be part of the Jurassic Park uh, early 90s culture, and you're not really part of that life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, it, it, dude, the In-N-Out Supreme connection is tight because Supreme to yeah. this day, how old is Supreme? What's their scale? And they still can sell out and drive lines. Yeah. In-N-Out has like, hundreds of locations, and each one has a line for tw- like the entirety of them being each open. One. Yeah, it's insane. That's culture. That's around... Mm-hmm burgers that are cheap and there's a brand and it's good and that that connectivity is pretty pretty fascinating to me that you can grow keep that quality and hype at that scale it's that hype culture man that's what drives it i think you're right i think in and out might be the supreme of food which is which is interesting it's it, it and it's it's so cool and you know to touch on what you guys are talking about too like you know um a brand you know, like when they go mainstream, are they selling out? Like, yeah, you know, like that's that's a big problem that like, you know, brand owners and creative types face, you know, like, do they want to go this route? Like, do they want to make this much money? Do they want to be this exposed? And, you know, um, that's going to be a constant struggle and it's always going to be there and it's always going to happen. You know, what's so interesting about food is that, you know, it's not as scrutinized by the consumers, you know, like food is not as niche i mean there's niche food but like as a whole it's not as you know like uppity as fashion you know in any in any form of fashion you know so so if there is a a blending of the two worlds like i think it's um i think that it's going to be successful because of you know because of the the wider consumer base and and also you know the you know the willingness to put it out there as as much at more than you know a brand would you know like putting out a brand there's so much strategy involved and 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 whatnot but this Chinatown Helen Ray's thing like you can see it everywhere and it will sell out everywhere like you you know like it, it's not it's not gonna face the same type of um, you know microscopic uh you know evaluation as like if a brand were to you know pop up somewhere in kansas city like it wouldn't make sense but everyone loves fried chicken you know mm-hmm. and 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 that that potential to to blend that merch world into into this more in a cooler or or, or, or you know more special ways is you know it's it's interesting to see where it's going and i think we're we're kind of at the cusp of it i think like um these big brands too are recognizing that that's their foot into the door of reaching the millennial yeah. or the younger Gen Z um, so audience. Why? So why? I'm curious. So we're event. I think we're not going to be able on this pod <laughs> to like rank art. There's so many great collaborations <laughs> yeah. out there, right. but I have more of a question of why brands decide to do a streetwear inspired or streetwear collab, not necessarily to just fit in with millennials. But is it almost is streetwear like a real look at yourself as a brand and as a message? So like Ooh, that's deep. One of my favorite mm-hmm. collabs is how or it's not even a collab. It's KFC creating streetwear. Yeah. And KFC has like great merch that I want to purchase. But I think what I'm what I figured out that I love about it is they have for example a money clip. It's gold. 
KFC money clip and it just says legal tenders on it. <laughs> I thought that was so brilliant. I yeah. thought it was so brilliant. And I was like, well, what, what the hell is this? It's, it's, it, but it's, it's KFC looking at themselves, KFC understanding themselves, KFC looking and all right, we sell chicken tenders. It's, here's a money clip. That's all streetwear has been is just like a look at yourself mm-hmm. in a, in a message that made people laugh. And owning up to it. And owning up to it. And so it seemed to really work for KFC. They still have this merchandise, some of the most coveted fast food merchandise in the game. Is that a good reason to to go and pursue a streetwear collaboration? Is it to just have a different kind of messaging about yourself? Because you could spend, you can advertise in a different way. You could just pummel money into Facebook and like get your brand messaging out. But like why? Why? It's an expensive forte to get into fashion and merchandising. I think it's um, for them, for these brands, like you said, it's an honest way to look at themselves, but it's also a lane for them to be as authentic as they want to. Like, they now see that, hey, we don't have to just be these cookie-cutter vanilla expressions on clothes just showing just the brand logo. Like, Mm. we can really own up to it. Legal chicken tenders. Um, I have a KFC sweatshirt that says Fried Chicken USA. That's pretty fire. Like, it's re- they're starting to get more authentic with themselves and realize this is an avenue where we can be, uh, we can tell our our unique brand story. It's just an extension of that. And I think it's happening for a completely different reason on the business side. I think media is more fragmented than ever. Mm-hmm. So when you're KFC in the 1990s. Yeah, you're going to spend on TV and radio, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz what else what else is there? What are you what are you going to do? But now and you could drive back then if you had an ad, you can drive a pop culture moment through your ad. Mm-hmm. If enough people saw it, mm-hmm. if the right newspapers covered it, you'd have your pop culture moment and your creative director of your agency gets all this praise for that 30 second idea that was that was pushed through and paid for tv and radio every generation millennial generation and gen z we keep looking at these traditional forms of advertising and we flip them off Mm -hmm. right the cord cutters like i don't want i'm not watching broadcast tv and tv commercials and the people younger than everyone in this room outside of our our little our little two-year-old they're saying fuck facebook right they're like i don't want to be on that platform that my mom and dad are on so these brands have a job to do to reach their target and their target for kfc still includes people that are 14 18 years old Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So the collab to me is out of necessity. Like they're doing these things to have a pop culture moment mm. that can appeal to us, that can appeal to 14 through 18, that can live on Snapchat and on Instagram and on Facebook and on their own site. And that's the power of apparel to me is, and food, both, is that when presented right, fried chicken appeals to fucking everybody, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? When the right, some of the right fashion can appeal to like mm-hmm. multitudes. Mm-hmm. And I think they're trying to tap into that. And streetwear has been proven, especially as our generation, as mm-hmm. we've gotten older. Again, I'm not a streetwear head. I kind of dabbled in and out. But like, I'm still going to wear streetwear for the rest of my life because that's a 
that's a part of what I do. Reach. I think you're gonna re- wear streetwear for the rest of your life. I'm gonna die in it. I'm yeah, bur- <laughs> bury me. And so we're like, that. we're part of this. We're part of this generation, right? That as much as it started young, we're gonna we're gonna ride that out. And so as people get younger, well, because they're always gonna, or at least they're born. Yeah. Then. <laughs> Then it allows a brand to connect to all sides. And I think that's kind of my point. I mean, streetwear has been cool because when you watch streetwear, you know, almost 10 years ago, the prints on it were like violent, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like all over, all over prints that were like guns, Mm -hmm. right? Like rap, hip hop. And I, I, that had a shelf life, right? Like now, if you see me walking across the street with like guns on my shirt, like yo, Eli, I live your real life. Like, <laughs> you fucking wear your fucking "I go to sleep at 9 p.m." t-shirt. Um, but now, I think in the next wave of streetwear, you're seeing a lot of the streetwear brands that we used to fuck with now put food on their shirts. Yeah. Because yeah. like food is now going to have a longer shelf life because everyone can relate to food in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Whether you wish you could eat it more. Or whether you eat too much of it, you can now tie in, loop into the emotions involved with food as a message. Yeah. And so I think that shelf life, I don't know what happens next after food mm-hmm. in streetwear. Mm-hmm. I hope it just stays food. Like, <laughs> I hope that just grows bigger and bigger yeah, yeah. For, for the sake of everyone at this table. I think yeah, that'd yeah. be tight. Uh-huh. Um, so, but I think it's interesting to see like how things have kind of transitioned. Like, it's not as hot right now to wear a shirt with a gun on it. Like, mm-hmm. eh, like but but a shirt with a fried chicken wing on yeah. it? Yeah. It's hot. Yeah, it's super hot. It's hot. Yeah, fried chicken being a gun. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of hot. My cop. Yeah. I would die by that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know. I think we did a good job, kind of seeing the connectivity between streetwear and food. I mean, mm-hmm. this could be a multi-part podcast. I think this is so mm-hmm. much in this that's left to unpack. And it, Miles, you bring up a point. Like, if we're just at the beginning of this, this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you guys have any last collabs you want to shout out that you liked? or I, I wanted to mention one other thing, and it actually goes back to what something you said, Miles, earlier in the podcast when you mentioned that there's three people from your trade show that's now on the Forbes under 30. Mm-hmm. These independent brands, and I think that's still now to this day, are these creative hubs and first jobs for like so many people. So many successful people have taken photos, ran a blog, ran social for these companies. And because they aren't necessarily corporate funded or backed, Mm -hmm. it requires ingenuity. It requires you to think about things way differently because no, you can't put a 10 grand budget to work with somebody or a fa- or Facebook or Instagram and just throw money at it. Like that's not the solution. Mm-hmm. The solution is your brain, this pencil, that piece of paper and what can you do? Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, yeah, I mean we work with a number of people at Foodbee so we've ex- experienced that firsthand. But the power of those people who ran creative for these brands, you see them cross over. Mm-hmm. You see like not apparel Right. I mean, I mean, reach is the prime example of working as a managing editor coming from streetwear. But I think there you guys could probably name more than me because I'm not in the industry. But am I surprised if someone from Supreme takes over Fortune 500 company like CMO? No, I'm not, Mm -hmm. because you had to be innovative at such a high level 
that it just transfers over to almost whatever you're doing. So I think a lot of streetwear heads will run companies better than people who go after VC funding to run companies. Yeah. And no knock on them. There's a certain level of skill and adeptness to taking on money and being able to grow a brand or grow a company. Yeah. But look at the body of people who have come out of streetwear mm-hmm. and gone on to either work for make huge difference huge strides in other companies that aren't within the clothing industry mm-hmm. food or otherwise yeah. it's insane yeah it's incredible and immense like even within our circles the idea that after's ice cream is a company birthed from streetwear foraging and mm-hmm. with no funding has gone on to basically make other ice cream companies shake in their boots yeah i know yeah. realistically and now you're seeing their stores go back and, and huddle back around streetwear. Yeah. The most latest uh-huh. uh, after's ice cream stores like a, 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 in the Irvine Spectrum and some other big retail fronts that they have, their clothing that happens to serve ice cream. Yeah. So it's keeping you in the stores longer than you would walk into a Baskin Robbins. What are you going to do? Look at a display case of ice cream for a little bit, walk the fuck out. Yeah. So none yeah. of it was interesting. And they're to you. killing it in numbers with their merch. Their merch is going, <laughs> their merch could one are day. They? Their merch can one day Outpace rival ice their ice cream yeah. sales. No way. <laughs> That's insane. It's insane. It's That's full circle, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's full totally circle. full circle. And, and it goes to, it touches on what you were saying about it, you know? Like, the, it's, in the end, you know, it's, it's about um, connecting to people, you know? Like, like from changing the trade show model to changing who your consumer is. If you started in streetwear and now you're in food, like, the the one thing that people have to realize it's it's the, the more um the, the more you can connect to a person on on a level that isn't like corporate or or whatever the more success you'll have in any field yeah. you know like i i think that's you know like all of this convo has has really showed me that too is like yeah like if you can connect to someone in a way that um is like, hey, we're in and out fans together, or we're we're the hundreds fans together. Like, like th- that is really the catalyst in like, you know, making that shift in in your business, you know, wh- whatever that may be. Yeah. Can I yeah. can I name off some of these dope collabs though? Let's name yeah, them off. Please yeah. do it. Even though that's a beautiful Miles mic drop to end the fucking podcast. <laughs> 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 hey, how about we roll the uh, and then everything after that? That's what Reach says. <laughs> no, I mean. Because I know we didn't really get to touch on that, but to get into specifics, like these are some of the collabs that are coming from this type of um, merging of cultures. Uh, I really liked Kith and what they did with Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked what the was pizza. that? What was that? People so, have no idea. I have no idea. So Kith is a, a brand and boutique started by Ronnie Feig in New York, mm-hmm. and it was a sneaker boutique, and it also has its own um, merchandise and clothing. And they linked up with Coca Cola. So it's a legacy brand. Everybody knows the brand. It's very recognizable. And they created just smart clothing out of it where it's just tasteful um, placement of the logo of Coca-Cola and making it into just nice, dope clothing. Um, it was very simple in terms of the, the presentation, but it was very classic and very tasteful. Um, smart use of the branding also. I also liked um, Danny Bowen. He is the chef at Mission Chinese Food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dope. He's, he's dope. He's um, cool, man. He's really cool. And he got in a, in a campaign with Montclair, which is a, a high fashion 
Um, they make jackets and a lot of outerwear and all that stuff. He did a campaign with them. He also did a campaign for Uniqlo. And I think that's really cool that you're seeing chefs with tattoos all over themselves and dressing really avant-garde being represented in fashion in Uniqlo and, and, and high fashion houses. So I think that's really cool to see. So that's why I like that. Um, yeah, and, the, and to go off that too, when I saw the Momofuku Nike collab, oh man, when I was just David Chang, just sh- chef who's killing it across all media, expanding his restaurant empire. Of course, that makes sense mm-hmm. as a collab for these major brands. And and again, I'm not. I don't necessarily see all the all the streetwear collabs because I'm just not in tune with everything. But the fact that a chef first was getting his own Nike tongue, right? Mm-hmm. Was just man, that that felt like a really defining moment when Van started creating chef shoes. Mm-hmm. Like that's fucking crazy. Like that's a nod to food. Like it's mm-hmm. a validation for food it's culture. It's a validation. Like you mentioned, but like, yeah. Totally. The fact that there are that companies like Vans Companies like Nike are like, you know what? Chef culture is just as dope a culture as rock culture and NBA culture. Yeah. Like, that's Chefs fucking are rock wild. Stars now. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. That's wild. And chefs have, chefs have been rock stars yeah, in the sense there. of the Food Network type mm-hmm. rock star. But there's this new type of chef yeah. that I vibe with. Yeah. And, and not to say I don't vibe with Giada. I definitely don't vibe with Bobby Flay. But like... John is hot though. Yeah. But I'm just saying there's this new type of chef, Maddie Matheson yeah. or Alvin mm-hmm. or all these guys where Bronson. I'm just like, Bron, I, I want to hang out with you. Yeah. And you also, I highly respect your food process, mm-hmm. but also I will watch your show. And that's the difference is I don't necessarily want to watch the Martha Stewart. Mm-hmm. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the podcast, Martha Stewart, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think even but, our parents wanted to hang out with Martha Stewart? I'm trying to understand, like, if it's just, like, our age gap or if it's, like, were they cool even? Like, I like Bobby Flay. I liked Emerald Lagasse. But, like, I don't – I actually probably would drink Emerald. I, I, I would drink with Hell Emerald. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take a shot with him and say bam right before the show. But, yeah, I don't, but I, don't, I wouldn't kick it with Bobby Flay. Like, yeah. there's not a point of me that wanted to be like, you know what, let's I mean, grill together. For our job, look, I would. Bobby, don't get me wrong. You're welcome <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, this is just a character, I'm Bobby. Just, I love you. I'm just saying, as Jeff, not a part of Food Beast, not a part of his food media, mm-hmm. is when I see chefs like Alvin and the shows that he's doing, mm-hmm. I'm like, I fuck with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to eat a burger and, and in, a, in yeah. a totally different way than, oh, yeah, I like that recipe from that food show. Mm-hmm. Like, in a completely mm-hmm. different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are tight collabs. Now I got to look up these collabs, man. They're, I feel like I'm not part of the culture anymore. No, there's a lot off. of dope collabs, and I think it's just the telling of what's to come, as like Miles touched on. Like, even more brands are going to just jump in this pot of creating dope merch and dope, uh, dope clothing. So I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah. Cool. We at the crest of that wave. Miles, thanks for coming on the pod, man. Thank you guys so Thanks, much, Miles. It was fun. Shout out, Miles. You guys continued, are Continue crushing it, dude. Thank Keep you, bringing man. those cultures together. All right. All right. Bye, yeah. guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>